You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Welcome, welcome to the Financial Key here on the Keys 107 Network. I am Rafika, your co-host. We have the pleasure, uh, I have the pleasure, and you have the pleasure of having two co-hosts today along with me. We've got Brother James and we've got Haru Niket. Now, Haru is our financial and business financial advisor and business consultant. He comes on every third Thursday of the month to drop jewels and gems that you could put into your treasure chest to help you get on track with whatever you're trying to do in terms of business and finances. Haru is in the queue. He's ready. We're talking today about 10, the top 10 businesses for women to start in 2017. I know there's more, but we're going to just focus on 10. So before we get started, we're going to go to the healthy tip of the day, and then my co-host, Brother James, will join us, and Haru will jump in at that moment. Get your pen and paper ready. Call in numbers 213 The healthy tip of the day is to schedule rest periods in your day just as you would for other appointments. Leaving time in your schedule for rest instead of activity is like hitting a reset button for your mind and body. A great way to do this is to take 15 minutes out of your day just to sit and do nothing. Taking time to pause can improve your mood and help you feel more refreshed and focused. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by wellness expert Nadia Allen. I invite you to learn more about me and my services at www.organicsoulchef.com. The alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online, www.thefluffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Wow. And we are celebrating Women's History Month. We are celebrating the greatness and the fabulousness of women. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm one. (laughs) And I want to give a special shout-out to Mama Poppy and Fluffy Fluff. Uh, Fluffy is a young woman on her way up, and Mama Poppy holds it down up there on Cloud Cumulus where those fluffs live. On sale now for $12.99 on Amazon.com. So... We're going to get right into it because I know Haru 
is waiting, and we don't want to get close to that 10, 10 o'clock hour and not cover at least 10 of these points that he has so willingly given us. And, Brother James, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to hear that uh, we're going to cover something that's so essential uh, in terms of business because our women are full of ideas and full of um, inspiration to go out there and become business owners and to be successful at their endeavors. So I'm very happy to have this opportunity to have Haru on the cat online with us today to go into this area. And Haru, your mic is live so you can check in. Well, I'm here. Good, good. How's it going? You got any updates for us, Haru? Some, I know some wonderful things are happening on your end. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of exciting things. Um, having a great event on May 6th that I, that I hope everybody can participate in, and the uh, website is up for that. That's wealthmasterssymposium.com. Uh, so I'll have a, a bunch of speakers there, and more than half of the speakers are women. So uh, it goes right in line, you know, with what we're going to talk about today. And that that real rising trend towards uh, successful women business owners. Mm. And I think uh, last, either the last show or the show before last that you did with us, there was a wonderful announcement on Facebook through you and your wife about the uh, wonderful, wonderful scholarship that your son received at Stony Brook, and I didn't, and we didn't get a chance to formally congratulate you and your son and your family on this achievement is awesome. Thank you. I'm really yes, excited about yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, actually he leaves in July. You know, he has to be reporting July. So counting down the months now. And he's excited, we're excited. Another new chapter. Okay. Well, you know that's our neck of the woods, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so brother James, did you wanna uh, say anything before we get in here? We get right into the rising trends. No, I, I think we need to go head first into this conversation and let Haru do what Haru does best, is to inform us and inspire us to do better in business. So, Haru, it's on you, my friend. All right. So, you know, I kind of mentioned that there's this rising trend um, in women owning businesses, and the statistics actually don't come out uh, till 2017. It comes out every five years. But if we look at the growing trend, we go back uh, to 2007, there were about uh, 7.8 million um, women-owned businesses in the United States, which was about 26.8% of all uh, businesses owned. And then if we just jump five years later to 2012, um, that number shot up to 9.9 million. And we're seeing this this huge increase in women um, actually entering the world of entrepreneurship, which which is phenomenal. Um, because traditionally it's been a mostly male-dominated, you know, um, arena. And so when we look at even the numbers, that, which that translates to 9.9 million, translates to $1.4 trillion in receipts that uh, women-owned businesses actually generated. So we're not talking about a small amount of money. Um, we're talking about, you know, this, this huge expansion, talking about lots of money that has been made and more money to be made as you know, we expand into this global uh, economy and, you know, it becomes cheaper and cheaper to do business because technology becomes less expensive over time. And so this is like the perfect time, I think, for women to to get into the world of entrepreneurship, and it's only going to get better. 
I think eventually her was just going to be the norm. You know, it's no longer yeah. going to be a shock. Uh, women will not get the look when they say right. that, you know, they're, they're running their own <laughs> business, they quit their job, and, you know, they won't get the look. And I think that's so important. Like the Definitely. O, <laughs> you did what? Right. And, and it's interesting because, you know, men will take chances. You know, men are expected to take chances. You know, they have this, if a man has a dream of entrepreneurship, um, he's actually frowned upon if he doesn't take a chance. Whereas, you know, women are often taught to be a little more conservative, um, you know, whether it's a job market or, you know, entrepreneurship, they're taught to be much more conservative and not take those chances. So Yeah, you know uh, what, just, just speaking on that for a quick moment, women women have always taken women have always taken t- chances. But I think because of the expectation that they would somehow be in the background the chances have not been maybe um, uh, blown up to be more than it actually, not I don't want to say more than it actually is, but it hasn't been blown up to be more than what it is. Right. I mean, that, that's been historically and currently, you know, it's still, there's still certain social norms and expectations, and I'll, I'll cover that a little bit later because um, there are some very unique challenges that, that women have and entering this whole, you know, uh, arena of entrepreneurship. But let's just get into the nitty-gritty of it, because I'm sure all the women are waiting to, you know, they know that part. Now let's get to uh, some real good meat and detail. And, you know, my thing is before you get started, you always have to have a why. I think you're much more successful when you have a compelling reason um, as opposed to just doing something to try it and, one of the things that we have to look at is being very specific in terms of what our desired outcome is for a business. And so there are really three uh, prominent reasons that most people uh, and women in particular start a business, and those are income, time, or a sense of purpose. And so let's look at that for a second. When we talk about income, um, today it can be used as a, an alternative to employment. And so we're talking about as a means of creating income where income didn't exist before. So, you know, income can be broken off into to other parts too. It can be used as a supplement to the current income that you have, which means that you would create a business slightly different, right? Or it can be the way you mentioned earlier about quitting your job and replacing income. And so really you've got to look at three different aspects of, of income. Are you just trying to create income? And if you're trying to create income, where you didn't have income before, how much are you trying to create? Are you trying to supplement your current income, um, which means it's, it's more like a second income, and therefore what are you trying to create? Or are you trying to completely replace your old income and use this as a new source of income? And that will dictate what type of business you go into, the type of energy you have to put into it, um, the type of money you have to get out of it in order to determine whether or not it's a, a success. And so it's very important if you're looking at those creating income, supplementing income, or replacing income to have a number in mind, not I'm going to do this and whatever I make, I make. You have to have a number in mind because that becomes your key point indicator as to whether or not it's worth continuing with that business or switching to something else. And so we have to look at income as one, one aspect. If income is not your main focus, then it might be time. And when we look at uh, women in particular, a lot of women need flexibility in time. 
um, if you're raising a family, um, it becomes difficult if you want to be involved in your in your children's lives more to do a nine to five, right? Because then your children have to go to school. Um, they come home. You're not there. So a lot of times women want flexibility in time. So flexibility, then you shape your business around being flexible. Um, you might need the availability of time, meaning you just need so much more time, and therefore you would choose a different type of business that gave you the ability, you know, to have time. But all of it is about ultimately controlling time. So you have income as one reason. You have time perhaps as your other reason, which means controlling your time. And then the third one, which um, I find a lot of people choose, is a sense of purpose. So are you doing it because you want to provide a service? Do you want to change the world? Do you just have a love of entrepreneurship? Um, Do you need something to fulfill you in some emotional way? So you can have either income, time, or sense of purpose, but one should be the primary, right? Because if you have that as your focus, you'll build a business based on that to get that as your desired outcome, and then you'll know whether or not you're successful. So, um, again, important, very important, because you won't choose a random business. You won't choose the first thing that comes along. You'll tailor the business to meet your specific needs. Mm-hmm. So these are the first questions. If something approaches you that you should be able, you should have some sense of idea so that when, when the opportunity comes to you, you'll know better how to choose it because you've already identified your why. Right. And I say that because sometimes we tend to try to go into the business that seems easiest for us or the least expensive for us. And those shouldn't be the reasons why. Um, they ha- it, it, you're doing it to get, it, get something out of it. So you shouldn't put energy, resources, time, money into anything that's not going to get you what you need out of it. Otherwise, it was just a complete waste of your time and efforts. And so... You know, it's not that you have to ask these questions uh, for when an opportunity comes. This is how you create the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to choose. Everything is not an opportunity. I tell people that all the time. People say, well, I have this great opportunity for you. How do you know if you don't know what I want out of something? <laughs> you have to have a conversation, right? You have to have a conversation with me and say, what are you looking for now? You know, now that you have X, Y, and Z, what else would you be looking for? And if I said I'm looking for this, then you say, oh, I have a great opportunity for you because this will meet that. Otherwise, it's not an opportunity. And I think sometimes, especially when you're new, um, you say, well, what's trending now or what's doing this now? But, again, it has to go towards that, that very, very specific why for you. So it's income, time, or sense of purpose. And each of those will give you a different outcome. If it's just a sense of purpose, you might not make you know, a whole lot of profit, and it might take up all of your time. Right, And so that would mean that you decided that success is based upon fulfilling that purpose. But if you need your time back, again, it might not make a whole lot of money and it might not fulfill anything else in you, but it gives you control of your time back and so forth. So, you know, we have to really look at that. And it's very difficult, it's extremely difficult to fulfill all three, to shape a business model that fulfills all three. If you can, that's fantastic. Um, but you really have to focus on one and the others could be secondary and tertiary. Mm. That's hardcore, Haru. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's hard to swallow. Um, yes. 
you know, people, yeah, people just, it's, it's not like getting a job. I mean, the job for most people is unfulfilling. It, you don't have your time and you don't make the money you want. So if you're going to, you know what I mean? So if, you, if you're going to leave that for this alternative, which is not an easy thing to do, uh, it's very difficult in and of itself to, you know, really shape your own destiny, but shape your own destiny. Hmm. I think you hit it hit hard when you said that it's difficult to fulfill all three. And um, mm-hmm. those, you know, those of us who want to do something that fills into that sense of purpose area, and then we're thinking about we need to get our time back and we need to be flexible. Sometimes right. that, a lot of times, those sense of purpose occupations absorb you. Right. But I tell people, you know, if you if you can if you focus on income and you make enough money, then oftentimes you can volunteer in the areas that give you purpose, or you can start a nonprofit to fulfill your purpose. Um, it's very difficult to profit from what you think is a, is uh, your passion or your or or you know trying to do good and trying to help. Um, and here's the other side of it: you can't really help people or do your passion if you don't have money, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> Sometimes our focus is kind of backwards. You know, we're focused on I want to do good, but you know, look at the, the look at Bill and Melinda Gates, all the good they're doing and all the the things that you know are fulfilling, self fulfilling for them, are because they have the the money to do it. Right. You know, and, and it might not be your cause or your purpose, but it's their cause and what they believe is a, a good purpose, and it's because they have the money. So they didn't focus on the purpose first, and and have to beg for anything. So, you know, you have to think of that, too. It could be a, a process for you. I need to make the money. The money tends to give me my time back. When I have my time back, then I can do these other things that fulfill something in me that's more meaningful. So, now that we have looked at three key areas of identifying your why, let's look at what challenges women may face well women face some very unique challenges that uh men don't face and and, you know it's one the biggest thing we we touched on a little bit earlier was social expectations and social expectations are not well it goes two ways it's not only what society expects from women but it's what women have been taught to expect from themselves as well and so what happens is uh, women tend to think too narrowly oftentimes when we think about going into business. And, you know, so they'll, what women will do is they'll think something small. They'll think maybe um, a home-based business or, you know, with traditional a, a beauty salon or, you know, things that women traditionally go into. And you have to broaden yourself. If, you, if, you, if you're dealing with your why, then you have to create something that meets that why but also is trendy, right? And so you have to you know, look beyond what the social expectations are. Another social expectation is, we talked about earlier, them not being taken seriously. You know, oftentimes it's like, oh, that's cute. You want to start a business. You know, it's not looked at as, you know, you have the next Google or, you know, they're not thought of as having, you know, this startup that's going to just, you know, change the world. Um, Also, a, a big issue, and this was based upon surveys done amongst women entrepreneurs, is a serious fear of failure. And again, that goes back to socialization. Um, Males are encouraged to take chances 
and failure is just a stepping stone on the way to success where women are often mocked and ridiculed for failure, so they have this huge fear, and oftentimes once they fail, don't get back up and try again. So, mm. you know, those social expectations are, are, are really significant, and you really have to, um, you know, step back and and just burst the, the, the bonds of, of these social norms and just go for it. Um, another unique challenge and believe it or not, is a lack of funding for for women. So when what happens is, uh, and, when, and really when you're talking about the big firms, and we're talking about startups and, and huge things like this, most venture capital, uh, venture capitalists, those firms are predominantly male. Mm-hmm. And very few of them have any females on their board at all. And what you tend to have is, you know, males will tend to lend to males. You know, it's that whole tribal thing, right? So you're going to lend to your tribe. And so you have, you know, this narrow field of what the expectation of a successful, you know, business owner will be, and so they tend to lend towards that. And so it's very difficult for for women to get funding on a large scale. And when you look at the large uh, venture capitalists, they want to see that your business valuation can grow to a billion dollars or so. And so um, they just don't have that expectation for, for women starting a business. So there's a serious lack of, of large funding available for, for women. Um, another unique thing that women have that most men don't have when starting a business is really trying to balance business and family life. Um, women tend to sacrifice business for the family where men tend to stay away from the family uh, and sacrifice time with the family for business. It's just this you know, dynamic that um, historically has existed and still exists today. And so that work-life balance is very difficult for, for mothers in particular. Um, so those, those are, are, are things that really have to be addressed, you know, when women go into business. How, how am I going to get funding when I know it's a challenge, um, you know, how am I going to burst these bounds of social expectations and how do I balance, you know, work, your know, business and life and family? Those are huge, huge um, uniquenesses, as you said. <laughs> yeah. They're huge, especially the the funding is one thing, um, but the balancing family and business life is, is another thing because the expectation is that the woman will still be full-time um, engaged in the home and raise. And, and, and if she's trying to run a business, she has to be full-time engaged in, and then how do you manage time? And so it's a whole lot of elements that go along with that. Right. And what, what are you willing to sacrifice? Because inevitably right. something will be sacrificed. Something will be, you know, it's just no way you can be fully engaged in both and, and you know, everything runs smoothly and be successful. Um, so, you know, one of the, the things that I want to make clear, too, though, is that I want to make a distinction between being self-employed and being a business owner. And that goes back to that social expectation and I think thinking small. I'm encouraging women to become business owners and not self-employed. And so let me explain the difference really quickly. Self-employed is you own and you operate 
your business and you are the person who takes care of every function from the marketing to the bookkeeping to customer service to um, maybe uh, deliveries and making the products and, you know, every aspect of the business you have a hand in. And that's super time-consuming. Now, the difference between being that and a business owner, a business owner has a controlling interest in a business, and the business is primary. the work is primarily done by other people, which means that you have to either get independent contractors or you'll get freelancers or you'll get employees, um, but you're, you're not required to do 15 jobs. And it becomes mm-hmm. a lot easier to, to have that business balance and family balance, you know, that, that uh, business uh, family balance if you're not the one doing every job. And so, you know, again, I want to make that clear. We're talking about women business owners and not self-employed women. Well, that, that's, that's, I think we always need to clarify that, Haru, because I know many times I'm asked, am I self-employed, am I a business owner? And I just look at the person like, what are you asking me? But <laughs> when you break it down, <laughs> you know, it's, it is a logical question because right. it does determine your ability to be uh, present. If you are the self-employed person, you're not always going to be able to be present because you've got a lot of jobs to fulfill and things to oversee. And you have to ask yourself, if, if you can't go on vacation with your family and the business still operates and money still comes in, then you're probably self-employed. Mm. And that's not okay. where we want to be. Right? No. No, it's because that time you might as well just have a job. Right. At least you could just type, you know, go home at six o'clock. <laughs> Self-employed, you ain't go, you ain't, you ain't off at six o'clock. No, not at all. You get up before everybody, and you stay up later than everybody, and you know, in between, you're trying to, you know, do family things. You're trying to do the homework with the kids, and um, you know, uh, being able to eat with the family. You know, that becomes so difficult, so challenging to do those type of things. I mean, and it's challenging even as a business owner. Um, you know, my wife and I both are business owners, and we just have to make sure we schedule things so that, you know, we always have time for each other and the family. So, um, you know, but having the ability to control your time allows that. And, again, you can't do that if you're self-employed um, because you're running around. Only a business owner can do that. So the next thing is, I'm sorry, Kay. No, I was going to say this feeds right into the next conversation. Yeah. So the next thing is balancing your needs, which we have identified now, right? So you figured out what you want, balancing your needs and the market's wants. And what do I mean by market wants? The market will always tell you what it wants by how it spends its money. So it's not even so much what it says it wants. It's the choices that people make with their dollars and cents. That's what the market wants. And so this is probably the biggest challenge to finding success. So if we use both uh, matrices, if we use I need need my income, I need my time, or I need my fulfillment, and I have to match that somehow with what people are willing to pay for, that's the biggest challenge. And so you have to find out 
like exactly what it is that people are willing to pay for that will fit exactly what I'm looking for. And that's, that's a, a very challenging thing. So you don't want to waste time with a business that doesn't fulfill your needs or isn't sustained by the market showing its support by spending its money. Anything else is, is a wasted effort. And so mm. the challenge is now, this is, and, and this, is, well, this will determine whether or not you're a success, right? Choosing, being able to choose the right business. And so that leads into our next thing is trying to figure out how to, how to choose which, what business models exist, right? So there are different types of business models. There's a service model. There's a product-based model and the information-based model. And you have to examine what your current skills are, what your current resources are, what your interests are, how you have access to those things, and, you know, um, what the market wants as well. So you have to find a niche in, your, in a particular market with a demographic that has already demonstrated a propensity for spending money in that particular area. So, in other words, you have to match what you have, what you're capable of accessing with what the market is saying it wants. So how do we identify that? We identify a problem or an opportunity that is either unexploited or underexploited. So that means it's still, right, because we can't choose it just because it's popular, because if there's no more room in that area, if there's no more space for a new niche or an under underexploited niche, then it still doesn't make sense to go into that, that area of business. And I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. What came to my mind immediately was web, web design companies. Right. So there was a time when that was due. It was trendy. It was needed. And people had to outsource that. Like there was most business people did not know how to do their own website. Today right. you have template websites that people can get for free. And throw up a website. So yep. does it make sense to really go into that market when that market is saturated? With, with I mean, there's tons of web designers out there. There's so many right. different outlets to get a website done today. Right. So you have to start making some decisions, right? Um, if you look at, again, for web design, exactly, you know, are there opportunities for web design? Probably very easy. Barriers to entry are so easy um, to, you know, to get into. It's inexpensive to get into. You can use a template yourself. But like you said, there's so much competition for other service providers as well as do-it-yourself that it's probably not going to be, you know, a success for you unless it was just fulfilling a purpose in you, right? It, it Again, it's based upon what you're trying to do. If you're trying to make a lot of money, then that's probably not the route that you're going to go to. So, you know, we start looking at these different models, and if we just identify the first one, which is the service model, you know, service model I like for a lot of different reasons. We, we've moved to a world of convenience. And so it's interesting you mentioned, you know, web design, how you can do it yourself or there's, you know, saturated. Nobody wants to really do a whole lot on their own. So even though there are templates, people will pay a young person to come in and just do the template for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so we've moved into this, this world of, of convenience. When we look at things like task rabbit, where, you know, I don't want to get my, my groceries anymore. 
um, I can have my groceries delivered or I want somebody to pick up my dry cleaning or I want, right? So we've moved into this, this world of, of service, um, which is good because that creates opportunities uh, for areas that, again, are unexploited or underexploited. And so even when we look at the service model, there are different types of, of services. There are personal services. There are business services. There are marketing and sales services. And there are home services. So I'm going to break each one down separately and look at some opportunities in those different areas. So when we look at personal services, uh, one of the things that is big is is in home services, right? But also doing something for a person in particular. So when we look at spa services. Spa services do well, but you have to find a niche within that spa service. So a, a growing trend um, is providing spa services on wheels. So either bringing the spa service to a location or to somebody's home. So that's something that people can look at. That um, there are very few barriers to entry, but the upsells, there are so many upsells to it that it can be very profitable. Um, if you look at something that has no inventory and makes a tremendous amount of money, and we're in that season right now, is tax preparation. Tax preparation, you know, you don't have to be an, a certified accountant or anything like that. You have to, because there are courses you can take to be a tax preparer. And if you understand that, they have software. But most people don't want to do their own taxes, especially if they're looking for deductions. And so tax preparation is another personal service that people can look into. Something that's really big and I think will be around for a long, long time is prenatal and postnatal planning and preparation. So what in the world does that mean? Um, especially for new mothers, they have no idea what to do, um, you know, the whole process, you know, how to schedule certain things, what the stages are. And then when they have the child, again, what services are available, um, how to schedule things, how to baby-proof a house, you know, that, that's a big thing that a lot of women are paying for now. And so that's a big industry, a growth industry. Um, another growth industry is pet grooming. Believe it or not, the amount of pets in America is still growing. And I know when I was a kid, we would, I, had a, I grew up with cats and dogs. There was no way we were taking any cat or dog to get groomed. You know, back in the days, they were just pets who sat in the house or went outside and did whatever. But today, people really pamper their pets. And so pet grooming and providing pet supply services and those type of things, that's a, a really great um, avenue for, for a business startup. Um, event planning is still a big industry. If you, can, if you can get into it and do well by people, you can make a lot of money with events. And event planning is so broad because it can be children's birthday parties. It can be graduation parties. Family reunions happen all the time. Of course, weddings and, you know, things like that. And so event planning is, is big. Um, another big one that is a growing trend also, as people begin to try to get more and more healthy and fit, um, but also want to keep their own time, meal preparation and personal chef um, is big. Um, if pe people want good tasting, nutritious food, and you can actually package it for them for the week or for the day, and there's 
good money, you know, doing that, mm-hmm. um, which leads into, yeah, that's big. Yeah. Because people, want again, want their time back. And so preparing a healthy, nutritious meal is difficult, right? So what people, the alternative before, when people want their time back was uh, fast food or eating out. And that's even more expensive and less nutritious. And so people who really are trying to be healthy want something that can be packed they can take it in, you know, plastic containers to work, and they have all everything all taken care of. Um, anything in fitness training is big now because, we, you know, a lot of people, especially uh, my generation, Generation X and, and beyond, actually, are trying to become more and more fit. But if you find a niche market in there, you know, people are living longer. So even to have functional fitness for, for elderly people or, you know, things of that nature, um, finding a niche inside of that, it can be very profitable. Um, a lot of people are very fearful. So anything in, in uh, self-defense and security, those type of things, and I'm not talking about being a security guard, but making people feel comfortable, there's a big opportunity in that arena. And one of the biggest trends that I see is adult daycare services. Um, it used to be a time where people were put in an old folks' home or they were just sent to the community center and now they have these adult daycare services that are really um, catered towards the, the wants and needs of, of people who are older. And so they have, you know, uh, on staff people who are, are able to, to handle emergencies, but they also have fun activities that are age appropriate for, for older people. And so mm-hmm. when we look at personal, yeah, personal services, there, there are so many opportunities in that arena you know, for people to, to really be successful. Well, um, before we and, move on yeah. to uh, product services, we're just going to take a quick break, and uh, Brother James is, is ready to come back with us, so we're going to give him a moment. Maybe he has to get a glass of water. I'm not sure. And, and Haru, you can sit up because I, I hear you yawning, so you got to sit up and go <laughs> shake it off, okay? So <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> The Keys 107. We'll be right back. The The Fluff Presents the Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, Visit them online, www.thefluffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother You know, Haru, I always enjoy when um, you come on and give ideas on, like you don't just tell people that, you know, uh, service models um, and then tell you they should just look into service models. You always give good ideas, and I'm sure you may have sparked an interest. You know, you hit a core with me with pet grooming because that's something, that's a business that I've been considering, and, I, and I, people think I'm making a joke. And, and, and I thought about that when you were talking about the um, the social aspect of women in business because when I tell people that I want to do a doggy daycare, they go, oh, that's so cute. I could see you doing a doggy daycare because you just love animals. But how about (laughs) that's a good business to go into. (laughs) It's a great business to go into. (laughs) Yeah. 
Listen, the next thing you'll be talking about is a a, a pet hotel, you know. So a we'll pet hotel. That's, that's actually that is actually a, a growing trend. Um, as people travel, they want to have a place uh, where they can put their 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 pets. That's not in a kennel. It's not a cage like environment. And so absolutely, you, yeah, yeah. You just you know put another great one out there. Mm-hmm. Well, we understand that because we do have pets here and uh, we do travel. And a lot of times we have to go and get someone to take a look after our our pets. And um, so we've experienced some of that. So we know that uh, if we went into that business, there's an element of care and concern and love that needs to be uh, put in play in order for you to make money. Now, they make good money doing this. Trust. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, oh, I'm yeah. going to give you the name for it. I think a perfect name for it would be Pet B&B. Pet B&B. <laughs> Bed and Bath? Bed and Bath? Yes. No, no, and like, yes. like Airbnb. So, right, like Airbnb, so Pet B&B. So people can go, they know that their, their pet's going to have a bed and breakfast. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and, and a party cure. Mm. A party cure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well... Well, well, whereas it's a way to well, make see now, money. Oh, wow, you guys just sparked something. So, you know, that whole concept of pet B&B, if you do it like Airbnb, then you don't have to be the one taking people's pets. You set up a service of, of service providers of people willing to take pets, right, and people come through you and they, they can book wherever they are in their location that's close to them. So mm-hmm. you can use that same Airbnb model and just really do pet B&B. And that's, again, thinking on a grander scale and on a global scale, um, instead of you, you know, um, being a dog sitter, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to break this up for a quick minute. So, you know, I got this idea in my head that I was going to start preparing myself for the doggy daycare, and I'll, I would start taking in a few of my friends and neighbors' pets when they go away. And it's something that I have never thought about. What happens when you have your pet and – Another pet comes and that pet is aggressive and they bite your pet and they terrorize your pet. Well, that's a poorly socialized pet that would do something like that. It's a puppy. It was a puppy. It was a puppy. <laughs> oh, well, a puppy. A puppy. You have to let it know it's not okay. Yeah, puppies. Puppies to learn boundaries. They don't know the boundaries yet. And usually, an older dog will let a puppy know. You know. No. Oh, you mean it was a puppy being yeah. terrorized or was a puppy? The puppy oh. terrorized my Ruby, and Ruby is a <laughs> golden retriever. Chow is Chow. Ruby elderly? No. <laughs> Ruby, usually, a bigger dog won't let a. a won't, well, maybe you thought it was terrorizing, and maybe Ruby didn't think it was such a big no, Ruby deal. Ruby didn't like it. No. 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 no so, so yeah. going to the idea of the of the pet B and B would probably work mm-hmm. better because that's something that you have to consider. If you have pets already in your home, the pet that you may be bringing in to sit or, you know, or to care for, for that, that length of time may not get along with your pet. Right. So, okay, we can move on now. I just had mm-hmm. to express. <laughs> you express, had to get that uh, off your shoulders, off your chest. I did. <laughs> I did because it ruined my idea. <laughs> it's like this isn't going to work. <laughs> So um, let's talk about business. Under the service model, um, there are business services. So one thing that's very difficult for people to do is hire well. 
And so human resources consulting and placement is a, is a big opportunity as well, which means that you would do, you know, the headhunting and, you know, the interviewing for uh, different firms so they don't have to spend their time doing that. So that, you know, does well. Um, logistics is big, you know, as businesses now, uh, you know, have to really track inventory and move things from one place to another and, and, you know, things like that, logistics, you know, working that out and monitoring that, you know, for people is, is a big deal too. Um, drop shipping is big, meaning that, you know, um, you'll take people's products and, and actually ship them out, you know, for people. So that's a big opportunity. Um, as we move into the um, internet purchasing you know, people don't want to actually do, you know, a lot of this shipping and stuff on their own. So that's big. Uh, bookkeeping and accounting is always necessary, even though, you know, people can move to software. Most people don't. They don't know how to do it. And so it becomes actually easier for you because there's so much software out there. Uh, tutoring is still big, meaning college prep. Um, job prep is big. People, especially young people coming out of school and not being able to figure out how to, you know, break into the work world in a meaningful way, that's big. And commercial cleaning is huge. Mm. Um, Yeah, so, and I'm not talking about you cleaning yourself, right? I'm talking about creating, getting contracts. Yeah, cleaning services, that's always big and always in demand. Um, Then we have different types of services, marketing and sales, Um, you know, app development, is, is something that you can get into. And when I say app development, website development, graphic design, things like that, you should not be doing the work yourself. You know, you can easily market it and then get freelancers inexpensively, like on, on uh, Odesk and uh, Upwork and things like that, to actually do the work for you. And so you don't have to actually have that skill to be able to do that. Um, another thing that's huge right now is social media content development. You know, most businesses are moving towards uh, marketing through social media, but it requires somebody to, to post just about every day and hours, you know, almost every hour uh, on social media. And so you don't want to be the one as a business owner sitting there creating the content. So somebody needs somebody to do that. And so, again, you don't even have to be the content developer because you can hire a whole bunch of young people who just scour the Internet for content and they get paid per piece, and, you know, you can make money that way. So social media content development is big, and billing and collections is always big. Uh, A lot of people don't know how to go after their own money, and so, you know, you have an opportunity to break into that as well. Then there are home services. Um, Home health care is big. Um, Again, as people begin to age, you know, we have an aging population, people don't want to have to leave home. And so home health care aids, um, you know, that's an expanding market as well. Uh, and, again, I'm not talking about you going in and providing the care, but, you know, providing the service. Home cleaning service is growing. You know, commercial has always been big, but a lot more people are moving towards having someone do the work and clean their own homes. Um, personal organizers, that is huge. Most people just cannot figure out how to keep their place organized. And so, you know, on top of the cleaning, it can be an upsell, you know, as a personal organizer. Handyman services are always in demand. You don't necessarily want to hire a contractor for everything. So if you can have somebody that provides small work, you know, for set prices, 
um, you know, that's big. Landscaping and interior direct decorating still, you know, are areas where you can make money. So that's a service model. So the service model I like because there's no inventory, right? You don't have to have necessarily a, a brick-and-mortar building. You don't necessarily have you have very little, if any, inventory that you have to keep. So I think it tends to keep your upfront costs down and allows you to have a, a, a much larger profit margin um, in terms of providing the service because it's just a service, you know. So service model is really big. Then uh, some people aren't really comfortable with providing a service. You can go to a product-based business. And, again, based upon what you're trying to get out of it, you can be a reseller, which means you don't have to create your own product. It's actually very difficult to create your own product, you know, in terms of manufacturing it and packaging it and selling it out. It's a lot of work. And so to be a reseller is a lot easier, um, and that's easily done on Amazon, eBay. Um, there are other, you know, places to do it uh, where you find what's trending or what's hot, and you can keep changing, you know, the product to meet the market demand. Um, I think an area that's growing, too, in, in terms of a product or specialty wines, you know, that's something as we see places becoming more cosmopolitan, you know, everybody wants these nice fancy wines. And so to have a nice uh, place that sells that, that, you know, does well. Something that will always do well and has been traditionally totally male is auto parts and accessories. Um, I think that is a, a, a untapped market for women where I think the opportunity is endless. People always need parts and always want accessories, you know, for, for their cars, for their vehicles. So that's big. And that can also be done online too, by the way. It doesn't have to be a retail store. Um, you can just get it wholesale and be a reseller for that. Um, women's apparel um, always does well. Specialty foods is big now, and that's a niche market. And again, people are trying to move towards these uh, a more healthy uh, diet, and so to have these specialty type foods that you can sell, and that's not necessarily a restaurant, uh, but you know, a lot of people are purchasing foods online, and so you can ship stuff, even frozen stuff you can ship now uh, through FedEx and, and UPS. Um, so specialty foods is big, and something that will never go out of, of fashion is beauty supplies. I actually have uh, two of my, my female students who are doing amazing things with that because, you, again, it's about a niche. One of them, she just started, uh, along with her two sisters, um, a business selling hair in Jamaica. You know, this in Jamaica they are big on, you know, I don't, I don't even know how you call it, like hair. You know, buying hair, hair. and so hair. yeah, <laughs> it's huge. It's huge it there. So they actually opened up their first store there, um, and they're going to expand to a couple of different towns there. And then I have another student of mine uh, who has a, a black-owned. Uh, she's getting ready to open up. She hasn't opened yet, but she's in the planning stages of a black beauty supply store, and she's in, and she wants to open up in Harlem. And so she's doing her um, her surveys to find out exactly what people you know want, uh, what women of color want, and she wants to provide it and be able to market and have people come to her instead of you know going to a lot of the local places who uh, where people who don't look like them are selling to them. Mm-hmm. So you know those are big. And then, you know, we have other areas that people can go to, um, like information-based businesses. Information-based businesses 
are take a little little more specialty if you're going to do it yourself. But one of the things that is really trending is blogging. And it's interesting because you can find, if you find a topic that is catchy for some reason, and, and sometimes it's difficult to find that thing that, that really catches on, blogging makes a lot of money because once you get to a certain place, it's the advertising that really, you know, um, generates the revenue. And it also creates opportunities to upsell and create joint ventures with other companies and, and uh, things like that. So, you know, creating that information-type business is, is really big. Uh, something that's also really big is translating. We are in a multilingual uh, world and a multilingual country, and translating actually is an, an underserved area, but it's big. And, again, you don't have to be able to translate yourself. If you can find people who can and, – and they can be independent contractors so they can do it on a, a project-by-project basis. If you need certain things translated for a business, say a manual or a book and things like mm-hmm. that, translating is a big opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. So also another one that's big is ghostwriting. I think everybody, everybody would be excited to write a book. But everybody doesn't have the ability to write a book. Oh yeah. But if you can, yeah, if you can write a book in someone's name, and um, that's not even the, it, it, again, if you have that skill, or if you don't have that skill, you could again hire on an independent contractor basis writers, and you provide a ghostwriting service. You know that's really big too. And then there's always you know various types of consulting, um, whether it's consulting specifically on women's issues in a business, right, um, which is big. Um, uh, ethnic or cultural consulting for a business is big. Business consulting itself is a big is a big thing, and there's so many areas of consulting that you can go into, you know, that provide a tremendous opportunity. So, you know, if I just go back over those things, we're talking about you know so many areas and so many opportunities. From again, a service model, if if you don't want to do inventory and you don't want a traditional brick and mortar place where um, you can actually some, provide opportunities for a multitude of people, for, whether it's personal services, business services, marketing sales, home services. You know, it's endless. You know, I just threw out, I know because we were supposed to be limited to 10, but I said let me just throw out a few more than 10 just so people can get an idea of the expanse of things that, that are available. Then um, we talk about product-based things, which most people are familiar with, you know, just selling things. Um, and I think a lot of times people tend to be drawn to that. I'm more drawn to information and service models because the profit is so much greater for so much less effort and so so many less resources that are required and so much less capital that's usually required up front. And so I would try to push people towards the service model and information model as opposed to product-based things. Um, but there's still, again, an opportunity in, in all of those. And then to each of these things goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. What are you trying to get out of this? You know, it still has to – these things are what the market wants, but you still have to match it with, you know, what your particular needs are. And so even when we go back to that, when you're creating your business plan, and you cannot go into business without a business plan, 
<laughs> when you're going into when you <laughs> when you're creating your business plan, you should be very specific about the desired outcome you're trying to get. You know, um, I'm I'm only laughing in, or I'm not laughing. I'm I'm chuckling because I was thinking Haru's going to mention the business plan. He to. has to mention the business plan. You know, and, and this, and even when we mention a business plan, you know, I have to really be clear on this. A business plan is a prediction based upon a snapshot in time, and so it's really the day you open the doors you'll find that the business plan is almost, and you have to rewrite it. Um, so let me explain that. You're trying to predict a particular outcome one year, two years, three years out, based upon everything that's happening in the moment. But we know mm-hmm. that nothing stays the same, right? We have a new administration, and he's deregulating things and writing executive orders, and the whole economy could change. So the tax structure could change. Um, you know, uh, the interest rates are definitely changing. You know, so many different things are changing. So if we, if we create our model based upon what's happening in the moment, six months from now, the world could be totally different, right? So if we have trade embargoes, that's going to affect your ability to, to uh, import certain goods, um, which means you'll probably be a, tax, be a tax on exporting, which means that it might be difficult to do business globally. Like there's so many factors that you have to consider. So you're writing your, your business plan, which is essential today, but the moment you open your doors and you see how your customers respond and you see how regulations change and you see how, you know, the world is operating, you're going to have to write another plan. And mm-hmm. so I believe in what I, what I call dynamic planning. And so dynamic planning means instead of static planning, because most people do the static planning, they do a business plan prior to opening the business and never do one again. You know, every six months I think you need to review and update a plan. It doesn't have to be a full 35, 40 page business plan. It could be a two page business plan, but you got to update, you know, based upon the changes that are happening so rapidly. Makes sense. Yeah. I so, mean, if you, if you look at it so, like twice a year, if you start your yeah. business in January, then you know by June or, or July, you're right, going to have to look right. back at that plan. And you should, you'll, you will know, believe me, you will right. know within three months that you got to make some changes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I say, don't wait until things are going bad. You know, if we look at the Facebook model, Facebook does not wait until you're tired of a feature. You know, they, they're making their changes ahead of time. They don't want to become obsolete and risk you going somewhere else and then change. And so they're making mm-hmm. those, they're forcing their own obsolescence. And so you got to think about that, about that model because I think that's the, the model of the future. Um, you know, we moved into this economic age where things are moving so rapidly and things are changing and technology is changing things so rapidly that, you know, obsolescence becomes, you know, much faster. And so why not force your own obsolescence and force the, the market to kind of adapt to your change and kind of stay ahead of the curve as opposed to, you know, wait until people don't want your stuff. You don't want to wait until people stop spending money, right? And so that requires constant feedback too. So if you're talking about going into business, I mean, you know, we talked about going into business or how the ease of it, but staying in business and growing your business and lasting is is critically important. And so that means that, you know, we talked about marketing earlier a little bit. It's a conversation, a constant conversation with your, your getting feedback on what they like, what they don't like, what they want, how they want new things delivered, um, you know, how they can pay, you know, that's even important. Sometimes we we neglect little things like that, but maybe they want to 
use their phone now to pay. Maybe they want to use Bitcoin to pay. Maybe they want to use, you know, there's so many different ways. You have to really pay attention to all those things and not think you, you created a plan and stick to it forever. So, you know, those things are, are some of the subtleties that most uh, entrepreneurs don't think about even in their planning. And I think that, that every little aspect is critically important. And, again, as the world changes, you must adapt and adjust to meet those changes. Uh, are you are you ready to move into women and minority contracts? Yeah, I think this is big, and that's a big opportunity um, because you know, especially women of color, you have a, you have the, the the double golden thing, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the U.S. government is required to uh, have a certain amount of of minority and women business owned um, contracts. And startlingly enough, most women own now. And and let me tell you what they decide. A woman-owned business means at least fifty-one percent of the business is owned by women. So it doesn't even have mm-hmm. to be a situation where it's a hundred percent. But if the majority, and they they determine majority by fifty-one percent, if fifty-one percent of the business is owned by uh, women, then you can get certified, and it's a, it's a certification that you have to take. It's a course, and um, the, pa- the paperwork seems daunting, but they actually help you. You know, there are places that will help you fill out the paperwork, and you become certified, and the contracts are, are amazing. You know, the government pays these contracts, and you get first priority. Um, and I remember years ago, my sister was in charge of uh, providing the contracts for minorities in the city. She had the city contract uh, thing with that. And she said at that time, and this was several years ago, there was not a single black female or minority owned catering business that was registered for the program. Mm. And they could have gotten, and you know how much the city, they do all kind of events and, you know, things like that. And there was not a single one, you know, there was, there was this opportunity. So, you know, one thing we have to consider too is, you know, contact the government agencies first and find out where there's a lack, right? Because that's looking at it from the perspective of where the money is at. And again, not going to, well, I started a business, let me get registered. You can find out what areas there's a lack in and then create your business and then go to get certified and just be the one that gets plugged in constantly. So I'm going to give everybody a website where they can you know, check that out. Um, M wbe.com and that you know stands for uh, minority and women business enterprise I believe it is but mwbe.com and you can go in there and, and figure out how to get certified you know where you can go in your area has different resources and things like that so I think that's a, a phenomenal opportunity that should not be uh, wasted and unfortunately it's been wasted you know over the last several years by, by people who just don't see it as, as an opportunity for some bizarre reason. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, if we check the statistics in terms of uh, women who are registered as uh, uh, minority businesses in the state of New York, you'll find that we fall short of what the, uh, the governor is looking for in terms of uh, women in business. So, uh, and, and that's, a, that's significant. Uh, just looking at the area of construction. Right now, yes. they got 
plenty of, of, of uh, bids going out on the street, and there are no women or very few women firms who are um, participating in the process. And there are what we call sort of, um, I know they changed the language, but set-asides for women, or for um, DBEs and, and WMBEs uh, right. out there. So we have to change that so we can take advantage of it. And this is right. this is true for like MTA Port Authority, Dormitory Authority, and that's on the state level. But there are also yeah. some stuff on a county level as well. Right. So there's county, there's state, there's federal. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many opportunities. Right. Um, you know, and we have to look at. And, and part of it, I think, is expanding your your vision for for breaking into those areas. And so, mm-hmm. if there's a traditionally male business, then why not create a merger? And just make sure you have fifty one percent. You know, why not create it just just you know, create an LLC and and their corporation can be part of the LLC and yours and then as long as you end up having fifty one percent ownership, then it's doable. So it's not even like, you know, you have to build this construction company from scratch and have to buy all this equipment and everything. Um you know, you just have to create that joint venture where where you merge companies and, and work together, um, and then you'll profit from it. So yeah, there are definitely models out there. There are definitely models yeah. out there, like what you're saying. And it's just that in our community, we haven't taken advantage of that. So right. that's something that we have to look into and start trusting in one another and putting that women out there and helping them to be in the thick of the business. And you know what? It's it's often the source that you go to to get your information from because I can remember being attached to one um, or, an organization that helps small businesses. I'm not going to say the name of the organization. An organization. <laughs> but they never <laughs> mentioned, and I mean, I'm black wow. and all of them were um, wow. not black, and they never right. once said to me, are you registered or this is how you register, or I think you should register. It has never wow. been said. Wow. So this is the first um, here on the Keys 107 Network, and this is what you get when you come to us. What Haru brings to the table is real talk. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take anything to register your business as a minority business. But, it right. doesn't. But, like I said, it takes a little time. You know, it's a course. You have to take a course, but it, it's so doable that there's mm-hmm. no excuse. Um, I think they have teleclasses now and online classes. It's not even, you know, it's not that, like I said, it's not so difficult that it shouldn't be done. Everybody, you know. Well, you know, I, I think, uh, Haru and Rafika, what, what we're basically saying is that there have been minority women who have jumped in the fray and filed yes. the forms and got certified. Some have done extremely well and others have um, have been crushed by the system. And what I mean by that is when we say they're set aside contracts, uh, which means they'll get sub work and the sub work may, they may need to float their uh, business in terms of financing the operation for, for 60 to 90 days before they see right. a paycheck. And most times they don't have the cash flow and it crushes them before they really get started. And so what I, I have witnessed um, in the past is um, um, our, um, I'm going to say our greater community with um, well, a male white business owner 
would put his wife out front and they would make sure that they'll get the contracts. She has the support of a greater body, like you said, the joint venture, but that was for them to, to get the set-asides. Um, time is out for that. They have to do a better um, job of policing that, but we shouldn't shun from running. There's some things they put in place, like you shouldn't have $3.5 million in terms of your net worth uh, and still qualified to come in and, and become a certified um, MWBE. You know, uh, you shouldn't have a half a million dollars in, in your savings account and still be able to qualify to be uh, a, a, a WMBE. Right. And that will keep the big guys away from cheating and allow those who are legitimately seeking to break the market that are women who are minorities to get in and take advantage of this program. Right. I think, you know, part of that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the lack of available funding and even resources. Um, You know, that's a big thing. You know, women don't have the networks or the mentorship um, available that most men have because of the lack of of large female-owned firms. And so uh, when we – we have to really look at resources. And one of the resources I think that's important, if you go on sba.gov, they have a section, um, SBA resources for women. And so they have an actual actual office. SBA has an office of women's business ownership. So mm-hmm. they talk about SBA loans that you know, women can get. Um, they have a women's business center. They have, they have the, the section on women-owned federal contracting you know, programs. And so that's a, it's a great resource. So sba.gov, uh, just go in that section for women-owned businesses. And, you know, they have tremendous resources because, again, having, having enough cash flow, like you said, to, to be able to float, to be able to stay alive, uh, because those contracts are sometimes 60, 90 days out, um, is so important. And so I think using the resources that are available will give you a bigger picture of what's necessary so you can build it right, and so you don't, you know, fail because of something that's um, avoidable. You know, that's mm-hmm. certainly something that's avoidable. Um, so it's good they have, you know, like I said, they have mentorship and training. They have, I mean, there's so many things as a, a resource for that. So um, definitely, you know, make sure to go in there, click on each of the links, and figure out how to do that. All right. So that's sba.gov. And, yes. uh, and, and then it's MWB. Just, um, yeah, so yeah, MWB and, and SBA.gov. And on SBA.gov specifically go to they have a page called Women Women Owned Businesses. So you just do a search on their page for that, you know, it'll come up. Just really, really good stuff. Okay. So yeah, so uh at our point number ten, the last thing I wanted to cover is is really important uh is that and it goes back to kind of what I said in the beginning, is think global for the greatest opportunities for success. So thanks to the rapid expansion of technology and the improvements in transportation and communication and how inexpensive all of those things are becoming, it's a lot easier to tap into a global marketplace. And, then you know, I always say that, and people say, well, how, do, how in the world do I find, um, you know, opportunities around the world? And one of the a couple of resources that I think are really good is one, the International Chamber of Commerce. So they have a website as well. And if you go on the International Chamber of Commerce, it will tell you 
you know, how to, to really get into markets around the, the world because that's what their purpose is. It's about creating this international business. Uh, another good resource that I like is um, the CIA Factbook, or also called World Factbook, and it you can click on any country that the CIA has a hand in, and they have a hand in quite a few, and it will tell you <laughs> everything you need to know about that that country, which is important, their economy, what it's based upon, uh, where the growth areas are, uh, how secure it is, what type of government they have. Um, you know, everything that you would need to know to be able to choose a place to do business, you can get in the World Factbook, or also called the CIA Factbook. And so, you know, we have to really start thinking uh, of expanding our reach. And a lot of those places you can reach right from your home on your laptop and you can do business. Um, and there are all these emerging economies around the world where they're, they're looking for specific skills that they can't find at home. And so just like, you know, we tend to import certain labor from other countries because we don't have the work here, you're a good source of, of skill for an emerging economy that needs pretty much everything. And so that goes back to the consulting thing I was talking about earlier, too. Um, and when we think of all the infrastructure that an emerging economy needs, whether it's education, security, um, you know, health, you know, just, just it never ends. Everything that we things we we take for granted, you know, transportation, communication, um, everything. You know, when you're trying to build a country from scratch or trying to grow a country into to a world uh, on a world stage, you know, you need people to be able to consult in those areas. And consulting doesn't necessarily require you to spend a lot of time in those countries because um, most things can be done remotely today. So I think we have to really start. Um, expanding, you know, even what we talked about earlier, because a lot of the things we talked about earlier are not necessarily unfamiliar, but to, to really to broaden your horizons and think of businesses uh, that tap into that global marketplace. Uh, so, and I think, you know, it's a great time for women to consider entrepreneurship. Um, I think the opportunities are, are endless and really just goes back to, figuring out what you want, making that commitment to getting it because you really can get anything that you want. Um, and I, I have to put out there, I'm, I'm a, a resource that you guys can tap into. I'd be more than happy to help you get rolling and, and you know, help you get on the, on the road to entrepreneurship. So, you know, there's really no excuse. If you really want it, you know, now it's time to make it happen. Yes, sir. Wow. I think that every person who listened to this show today definitely got a bunch of takeaways, and it's actually uh, affirming that if you desire to be in business and are speaking to women, um, the door is wide open. The Keys 107 is opening doors to endless possibilities, and you heard it today from Haru Niket. Let's get busy, get into business, and there's resources available to help you become very successful in all your endeavors. And I want to I want to emphasize the uh first um points that Haru made about the um knowing your why because um being able to identify your particular why um in terms of the income, the time and or the sense of purpose, you know, why are you starting this business? What is the outcome that you need? to reach or that you want to reach is critical because a, a lot of things, James, you and I 
on a daily basis, things are coming at us. Um, do you want to do this? Hey, I got this great thing for you to do. And he was 107. You should be, should be a part of this. And sometimes my head is spinning with all the stuff. And it's like, you know what, just, mm, it's not the, the right time for me. And you have to, and, and, and another thing you talked about Haru some time ago is just learning how to say no, you know, like not oh, yeah. everything is good for you. Just say no. Right. Well, you know, it goes that's, back that's, to... And that, I'm sorry. Cause oh, that, that is, is particularly dif- difficult for, for most women. And that goes back to that whole social expectation. Um, women find it difficult to say no. There's more self-sacrificing than men are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only <laughs> that, I, I think one other thing that it was stressed in that particular point is have your priorities straight. You know, you have to have a pecking order of what you think you need, you know, what you want to get out of the business. So it goes back to that radio station we refer to from time to time, WIIFM, what's in it right. for me. And <laughs> you, you have to know what, what is it that you're getting, this, getting into this for? Is it your time? Is it more money? Is it um, for something personally that you want to um, get off your chest? You just want to give the world something. You have to know what it is that you're getting into this business. Otherwise, it's not going to fulfill your dreams or fulfill your, your mission, so to speak, you know. So while well, we're dwelling people, on the – go ahead, Haru. No, I just hope people really get that aspect because I'm sure somebody's going to, you know, get off of this show today and – try to push their passion, you know. Well, I, I, I'm an artist, so I just want to sell my art. I mean, if that's what you want to do, just sell your art, and you don't care if you make money from it, then that's fine. But if, if you're, and that, but to me, that's more a hobby than a business. So, you know, we have to be really clear. It's hard to monetize your passion to meet the market wants, right? So, you know, it goes back to those things we talked about. Start the business. The, the main purpose of a business is to make a profit. If it's not profitable, you will not get your time back, and you will not because the business will go under. And, you know, you talked about one of the uh, services, uh, one of the uh, prevalent services for today is marketing social media. Um, Any level of social media is a good business to start because we have people who just really don't have an understanding or doesn't have the time or even the interest to be so in, in, in immersed in social media to uh, take that business on that level. Um, but it's, it's very important to have, to have that, that component for your business. And before we close, I got to go run to another commercial and when we come back, let's give out how we can contact you, Haru, and let's talk about some of those trainings that you have coming up. The Keys 107 will be right back. The The Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online, www.thefluffamily.com.
Back to the Keys, 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother J. So we're back, um, and we're wrapping up our show today that focused on top 10 businesses for women to start in. And even though that was the title of the show, we really went deep. Haru has presented some thought-provoking strategies that women, including myself, can really dwell into to make what we're doing successful and keep in mind the difference between being self-employed and being a business owner, understanding that and I think accepting the reality of that is critically important to getting where you want to go. So we're going to take a moment now and let Haru tell you all of the things that's coming up with the Insiders Group and give him give out your contact information. Okay, so on May 6th, I'm super excited. I put together a program called the Wealth Masters Symposium, and I've invited um, more than 10 speakers. It's going to be a full-day event from 9 to 4 p.m. in Brooklyn at Bedside Restoration. And I have people talking about social media, just like we talked about, IT and technology, um, real estate investing, securities investing, estate planning, the connection between politics and economics. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just, it just a whole host of things. And we have an open panel discussion, too, with all the speakers where you can ask whatever questions you want. And at the end of the program, you get to actually meet everyone, and we're going to have a wealth challenge where we're going to put you to the test and where you can take all that information, and we're going to track you for a whole year and see if your net worth grows, and we're going to stay in contact with you and try to support that effort. And so I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. You can go to – I have a website up now uh, for it called wealthmasterssymposium.com. Um, also have – you can go to my Insiders Group Inc. page uh, on Facebook. Uh, the event is up there as well. And please go to my page and like my page. If you like the show, like my page. Stay in contact. Um, you can also contact me directly by email at Haru, H-E-R-U, at insidersgroup.com. So I look forward to hearing your, your questions, your comments. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, also Insiders Group 1. I'm on Twitter. Uh, no, Instagram, that's the Instagram. And I think Twitter might be Haroon uh, the Cat, yeah, on, on uh, Twitter. So, you know, I look forward to hearing from you in one of those forums and being able to provide answers for some of your questions. Haroon will be back with us on Thursday, April 20th, with more Insiders Group secrets. Thank you once again, Haru. You have oh, you always opened my eyes. I got two and a half pages, well, four pages, because you got to count page, you know, the front and back. Pages of notes. Um, I'm going to have a book by the time the year is out <laughs> <laughs> with just your thoughts and I appreciate it so much and to let the listening audience know that all of our shows are archived you can listen to us on iTunes you can listen to us on blogtalkradio.com slash the keys 107 and most importantly and most preferably you can go to our website at www.thekeys107network.com all of our archive shows are there you can find out what's going on with the me and Brother James um, get some pictures of what we've been doing also you can find out about upcoming shows on the website we have a resource page that we're building 
we'll have these websites that Haru talked about today. We've got the ones from last week's uh, last uh, month's show posted already. If you have any questions, or if you have any particular show topics that you want us to uh, cover, send us an email at suggestions at the Keys One Hundred Seven Network dot com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Watch our pictures on Instagram. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. We're all at the Keys 107. James? Well, you know, it's that time, and it was time well served. So, folks, take your notes and put them into action. Don't forget the women. Go out there and get certified. You know, go become a, a, a WMBE and take advantage of those contracts that set aside. May God bless you. Until the next time, I bid you peace, love, and happiness. Good night, y'all.
You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your hosts, Rafika and Brother James. 